Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Good morning. It's uh, been a been a great opportunity to grow the past three weeks um, between uh, going to California. Just that's always an amazing experience. Um, and then Kevin wanting me to really challenging me to, to, to do more than one sermon. And I tell you what, it's been tough trying to come up with somewhat of a series. And I love what he said yesterday. It's uh, that writing a sermon is the fine art of finding what to leave out. And that's, I mean, there's so many rabbit trails a guy can go down. And um, not only that, just all, lots of other opportunities to grow. Um, like yesterday, shoot, I judged at Little Bridge's rodeo and only made two team ropers mad. So I'm growing. Last time I only made five. So... It's been been great. So yeah, last time I was up here, uh, I, I didn't run out of time. I just didn't want to tell the rest of the story of what I had. Uh, there was a big sigh in the room, which is good, because um, I think most of y'all are back. I only made a few of you mad, too. So um, anyways, uh, kind of just to finish that story, um, just to flashback, uh, we, I was going, uh, and we were doctoring some bread heifers, me and my dad were, and we had this new pasture, and... Uh, Oh, when we're doctoring these heifers, they're 12, 1,300 pounds, and it's the middle of the summer, about 110 degrees in southwest Kansas and 90% humidity. And so about by about four or five, your horses are smoked. And um, right around the time where I get to the last heifer that we need to doctor, um, this horse that I'm riding that I hated, and he hated me, uh, so we got along just great. Um, <laughs> I go to rope this cow and line her out, and uh, he just decides that he's just going to run right on by her. So I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'll just ask you for more. I got, I can ride just as fast as you can run. And so I ask him for some more. And pretty soon we're kind of going down a, a, a steeper hill. And in this new pasture that we just turned out in, the weeds are about this tall. And I can't see nothing, but we're going at a high rate of speed. And pretty soon I start to feel this horse divot like that. And I realize we're in an old prairie dog town, going full speed through this prairie dog town. And we're coming down to a creek bottom where there's, there's a road and everything there, but there's an old badger hole. And this old badger hole is probably the size, just as big around as this podium. And we're going right towards that badger hole. And I know that badger hole is there. The, it was overgrown with weeds too, but I bounced a couple people's heads off the roof of the pickup. Um, and that's how I knew that hole was there. And I knew it was coming up. And I knew we were headed right towards it. And so we're going at a high rate of speed. And I'm like, man, I probably should start thinking about slowing down. And so I start to pull on this horse, and the harder I pull on this horse, the faster he starts going. Pretty soon, I'm pulling so hard, I break the bit in half. I'm pulling on him so hard. And he's just running off. He's really running off now. <laughs> and that's where I cut off two, three, three weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. And everybody was asking me what the end of the story was, and I just laughed at them because they were going to be sorely disappointed because right as soon as we got to that creek bottom, that horse just stopped. <laughs> he just stopped and started eating grass. <laughs> Here's how good of a horse trainer I am. I just put my loop over his neck and rode him back to the trailer, and he rode better like that than he did with a bit in his mouth. I, I quit. I quit. <laughs> But you want to know something? I hated that horse. I hated him. But what you don't realize 
This is my good gray horse that I ride today. And he, he's probably not nothing special to a lot of y'all, but he's been really good to me. And I can think back on that specific day there was just an egg busted in him that we kind of clicked that day. We had our battle, and then he just decided that it was just a whole lot better to get along. And that's what we've been talking about is gifts. And this horse had every gift that he could possibly have. I mean, physical, mental, everything, except he just didn't want to use it for anything good. He just wanted to use it just to be an idiot, I guess. Of course, and I wasn't in a very good frame of mind either, so we just fought all the time. I just liked to pick fights with him. But ever since that day, I can look back and see when that horse started using his gifts for good. Because now whenever I break a rope down, he's looking for something to run to because he knows his releases whenever he gets that cow roped and we get to stop. And he enjoys it. I've never seen a horse that enjoys running the cattle more than that horse. And I, that's all I had to do is just find what he was good at and find what he liked to do. And that's exactly what God does with us and our gifts. See, what happens when we don't use our gifts is our purpose is really hard to see. At that point in time, that horse probably just thought I was picking on him. I knew what he was capable of. But he just didn't want to do what I was asking. And so I just made it harder on him until he wanted to do what I was asking him to do. This really just leads about to, to those roundabouts that I was kind of talking about a couple months ago, how we're just going in circles. And we're, we're going in a circle, never getting off an exit, and we wonder why nothing's changing in our life. It's because we never decide to make a change for the better, and we, ne we just never start listening to what God is calling us to do. This, this kind of reminds me of well, uh, this is something I've just been going through the past few months, just a, a revelation in my own life. Um, and one of, my, one of my spiritual gifts is encouragement. And um, it's really weird, like whenever I choose not to use my gift of encouragement, I can tell in my life. Um, man, I, I just go through and every day is just a struggle. I just feel more of like a taker instead of a giver. And I know a lot of y'all probably feel the same way a lot of times. In this whole world of, of self-love and protect yourself and guard yourself at all costs and things like that, it's the exact same thing. And I do that to myself. I'm, I'm no better than anybody else. And you want to know what? It's the main reason that I, why I battle anxiety and depression. A lot of y'all didn't know that. I joke around all the time, happy, laughing. But I struggle with a lot of things. And some of y'all probably that probably worries you, but I just want to I just want to make sure that you know that I'm not the only one as far as church leaders that goes through that. And I, I make an example out of church leaders. It's not even church leaders, it's people in general, it's Christians in general. But the point I'm trying to make on that one is that we win that battle not ten times out of ten when we get up and fight the fight that God has for us every day by using our gifts, our spiritual gifts. Just like Talking about the beef ministry, you know. <laughs> when you started this, this ranch, everybody, they saw a need in the community for people who needed fed. And they saw it and they met it. That was part of their gifts. And now you can ask Ty, man, every time he gets up every morning, he is thinking about that beef ministry and he is thinking about feeding hungry people and things like that. And that's part of his spiritual gifts is leadership. But not using our gifts. Not using our gifts. It can really make us feel lost, sometimes depressed and anxious, and maybe even make us feel like we're missing out on our life. And a lot of times that can make us live without any hope. I think one of the, one of the worst places a Christian can be, and I've been there myself, is, is being a Christian or a believer and not having any hope. 
And I've been there. In other words, it's like going through life spinning our tires. It's like a hamster on a wheel just going a million miles an hour in one, one, one spot, not getting anywhere. And you just feel like that, man. You're just wore out, and, and you don't know why you're not getting anywhere. Uh, it kind of reminds me of a, a story when I was a little kid. We were helping a, a local ranch back home, and uh, back home was just a lot of sand hills. And so, I mean, the road can be perfectly fine one day, and the next day, I mean, you're just driving along, and you just sink. It's almost like quicksand. And uh, we, we were going through this, uh, this ranch on this big bottom, and uh, uh, we get this we're going along and we get this pickup stuck and we have a 24-foot trailer on full of about 13 horses. It was packed in there. <laughs> and uh, we bury this truck and our, our wheels are just spinning. And we're there for three hours. Maybe, I don't even remember. We're cursing probably. Not very happy, to be honest. But then we got to looking in that pickup. It wasn't even our pickup. And, and this is why it's another... Another thing about a ranch rig is there's always something in there that you need. We got to look in the back of that truck, and there's these little orange blocks. And come to find out, those orange blocks were in there just in case you got stuck. We'd been there for three hours trying to dig this pickup out. And so what happened? We used them blocks to put underneath them tires, and then that pickup just went right up out of there. <laughs> but being stuck like that, I mean... I think that's, that's, that's where a lot of people are today, and I've been that way, too, that way too. I've been that place. I think a lot of y'all are stuck right now, and you need help being unstuck, just like that pickup was. And just like in that pickup, we had to use our gifts to get unstuck. And I, when I talk about the gifts and the blessings in that, in that ranch rig, I ain't talking about the off-road commode. I'm talking about the little Lego things, you know. <laughs> But those blessings, they, they sure bring joy. And both are hard to see when we're only focused on what's going wrong in our lives instead of what's going right. It had been so easy just to, just to <laughs> sit underneath a tree and pout and ask God to take me just because that pickup was stuck like that. And I'd still be out there today if I wouldn't have actually tried and used the things that were in that pickup to get me unstuck. But when we get preoccupied with what's going wrong in our lives, it often blocks our visions of blessings, yes, but it also leads us right into a little thing called pride. And this was one of the hardest things about writing this one was, was <laughs> trying to figure out what to leave out when we talk about pride. Because when you get to thinking about it, I could go on for days about the many ways that pride masks itself. And quite frankly, I don't think you guys want to sit here and listen to me talk that long. So I did my best to kind of <laughs> come up with what pride is in a nutshell. And here it is. Pride is just a fear of being exposed. And not only does it keep us from being loved, but it keeps us from loving on others and also being loved by God. Pride is the walls that we build up to protect ourselves so we don't have to get close to, close to people or anybody else. Those walls of self-protection that we build up, we build up because we're afraid that someone just might see our brokenness, dirtiness, or imperfections. Or we build up those walls so we can guard ourselves so way people just think that we don't have a heart. And there's nothing more tragic than someone who builds up walls like that. Because I've been there. I've been there, guys. I've been hurt by a lot of things, just like everybody has. I'm no different than anybody else. But when we choose to build up those walls like that, it's just pride. 
coming in. And it's, it's exactly what Satan wants. He keeps us divided from everybody and everything. It keeps us divided from our purpose, our God-given purpose, just like that horse. You could see the pride in that horse. He'd been getting away with so, many, so much stuff for so long that he was just used to it. And he fought, and he fought, and he fought. And he wouldn't ever let anybody in. He was always schizophrenic. He was always just wouldn't let anybody touch him. He wouldn't, he'd always try to kick you whenever you'd try to catch him and things like that. Now you can go out there and some, he, might, he won't kick you anymore. He might run away from you, but, but now you can walk up and catch him. But once he let down that pride, he found his purpose. And that leads me, when we were, when we were writing this, um, we, were, we were talking about, you know, just characters in the Bible and things like that. And uh, I can't even take credit for that. But Kevin asked, Kevin asked the question of what was the difference between Saul and Paul? And a lot of you people are probably saying one letter, and that's true. But how did his name really get changed? When he quit killing Christians, then started using his gifts to help and encourage them, he was that close to his potential and life of purpose, and just like you. But just like Paul, you can make that change too, and you can find joy just like Paul did, even in prison. This was something crazy. I was writing this last night, and I got to think about all the letters that Paul wrote. And you could literally, I've never thought about Paul's spiritual gifts, but you can see them in every single letter that he wrote. At first, he offered encouragement. Second, he offered teaching. And third, he offered leadership. Those were his spiritual gifts. You can see it in almost every single letter that he writes. And even in prison, that's how he found his joy, was by doing what God called him to do, by using his gifts. If there wouldn't have been an opportunity to use those gifts, we read all the time in Philippians, you know, about the joy that Paul has even while he's in prison. But he found that joy just because... He's using his gifts. And just like you, you can find that joy too. You can find that joy too. Um, kind of a, a, a subject change, but when I was in college, um, I kind of had a call to ministry. I didn't know what that looked like. Uh, I just knew that I was in a bad place, and so I just went into a random church in Clarendon, Texas, went into the the Arena of Life Cowboy Church there, and I was listening to a guy preach, and it was the first time I'd really heard somebody preach with really, I don't want to say authority, but man, it was just real. Like you could see that he lived out his faith, and he was, I mean, I didn't know at the time, but now looking back, he was using his gifts, and he was fired up about it. And I had a little whisper in my ear that said, one day you're going to be doing that. And I was like, hey, no. I'm not going to say that. I didn't say it. But I said some choice words that day about no, I wasn't. But that seed stuck with me. For the next few years, I went through a lot of things, and that seed still stuck with me until I finally listened to it. And that's when my life started changing. And that's how yours can change too. One of the, some of the things that'll 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 change in your life whenever you decide to actually own up and start start using your gifts for good and using them for God is you'll grow personally. You'll grow personally. You'll, you'll turn into somebody that you never thought you'd even be. Back then, whenever somebody told me, just like I said, when, when, if you'd have told me I'd be up here today, right then, I, I still probably would have cursed you out. But I can see how I grew personally. And once you start growing personally, you start seeing how much of a difference you actually make. You find your purpose. But you grow, you grow first. And once... 
once you find that purpose and you grow personally and you see how much of a difference you're making. And just like me, I saw every single relationship in my life start to flourish and turn into things of awesomeness and beauty. And it's the same way for you. Turn it into more than you ever, you'll turn into more than you ever thought. You'll be all your relationships, all the things in your life. But you have to lay down your pride. Once you lay that down, you'll start to see your blessings. And once you start to see your blessings, after you lay down your pride, you'll start to see your purpose. You see how that comes full circle? That was exactly my first three points. This is what happens when we don't use our gifts. Our purpose is hard to see. Our blessings are hard to see. And our pride creeps in. But when that all comes full circle and you lay down your pride, when you lay down your pride, you start to see your blessings. And when you start to see your blessings, you start to see your purpose. And you're right there. You're right there. And I know some of y'all are probably gung-ho now. I don't know. I'm not as much of a motivational speaker as Kevin, but he's been trying to train me up in that, and I'm really trying to get better and learn about it. But some of y'all are pretty fired up to start your ministry right now, and that's great, and I love it. But before you go out and buy everything on Amazon and start your Facebook page about horsemanship and things like that, let me just warn you about something. And I want to learn, warn you about a little word, and it's called burnout. And, and I see it all the time. I mean, whenever... <laughs> It's, it's funny when you see somebody first going into ministry, uh, and this is me, I'm, I'm talking to myself here. Uh, I, I, uh, I was just going to be gung-ho to save the world. Just gung-ho to save the world. Save everybody, do everything like that. And then I got burnt out. But it reminded me of a, of a story in Luke 10, and it's the, the story of Martha and Mary. It's not very long, I'll just read it. As Jesus and his disciples were con- continued their way to Jerusalem... They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. When she came to Jesus, she then came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset about all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about, and Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. Basically, what's that saying is, uh, <laughs> Jesus is asking her, or basically telling her, Martha Martha's saying, don't you see how unfair this is? Don't you see how hard I'm trying? Can't you see all that I'm doing for you? Can't you see how important I am? How much more I'm doing than her? Why aren't you loving me any more than her? Isn't it unfair that I'm doing all this and she's doing nothing? And here's what Jesus said. I never asked you to do that. I never asked you to do that. I just want you to come and enjoy my presence. Just spend time with me. Mary was burned, or Martha was burned out. She was burned out. And you also see that pride in Martha. And it made her start to rely on her own strength. And that's the very next thing that happens when you get burned out. First, Jesus said, I never asked you to do that. And whenever you get to that point, you start trying to figure it out on your own. 
And when you start trying to figure it out on your own, you start getting frustrated because you start spinning your tires. And you start spinning your tires. So then you start spinning your tires and you just get frustrated instead of stopping and thinking. You start trying to do more. And when you start trying to do more, you just keep spinning your wheels even more. And you're getting more frustrated and you get more burnout and you keep asking that question, why? And that's the same question that you need to ask. Can't you see all that I'm doing? When you reach that point, you know you've hit burnout. Every time I hit burnout, and I, I, I get to thinking, I start pitying myself, and I start seeing, oh man, can't you see all I'm doing for you, God? Can't you see all I'm doing for you? Don't you see how I love you? Don't you see all this? Am I not that important? I ask that question. Hmm, can't you see all I'm doing for you? Hmm. Maybe he didn't ask me to do that in the first place. That goes back to when I first started ministry. I got a story about that. <laughs> and, uh, when I first got that call into ministry, I decided I was going to start writing devotionals and send them out every morning. And I'm still a baby Christian at that point. still a baby Christian at this point, really. But I start writing these devotionals every single night. And this probably went on for five months. And at first, it was a really great idea. Um, then I started writing these devotionals, and I'd take probably two or three hours every night just to go write these devotionals. And what I would do instead of like, I had a list, and every time I would send these devotionals out in the morning, I'd take like 30 minutes out of my morning and send them out individually, not in a group chat, just in case somebody wanted to have questions and they wanted to have a conversation about it, and nobody else would get PO'd in a group chat, just like everybody does. And so I started sending them out one by one. Pretty soon people started saying, hey, I love your devotionals. Can you add my mom on there? I was like, I don't even know your mom, but I guess, sure. Uh, so they gave me his mom's phone number. I don't know, that was weird. Um, beside the point, just now realized that. Um, and they're like, hey, I started sending these to my friend, and they want to get them too. Can you put them on there? And eventually, after five months, my list grew to 157 people. And I sent those devotionals out one by one every morning, thinking that's what God wanted me to do. <laughs> and then I started getting burnt out. I started getting burnt out because it, it was taking, it was, I was trying to give something that I didn't have. Number one of that was knowledge. I didn't have that much knowledge, even how hard I tried. And number two, God was there saying, dude, slow down. I never asked you to do that. I never asked you to do that. Now, did I learn from that? Absolutely. I'm so glad I learned that lesson right at, right at the get-go because that's when I first learned about burnout. But the thing is, if I'd have quit there, I wouldn't be here today. And when you, when you use your gifts, you can either be burnt out from using your gifts or you can be burnt out from not using your gifts. And when you're burnt out from not using your gifts, your purpose is hard to see. Your blessings are hard to see. It makes you into a prideful person. You're just like Mary. You start comparing yourselves to others. Those walls go up and love isn't there anymore. Did you know that's the only way love can happen is if there's an opportunity for somebody to be loved? If love is forced, it isn't love at all. When we talk about loving on people, it's, it's using your gifts. And I don't know, you, you see needs based on your gifts. When you see someone in need, it is based off of your gifts. When Ty needs sees someone who leads leadership, he comes in and just starts leading. When Kevin needs something, someone that sees someone that needs encouragement, he just goes and starts encouraging them. When I see someone having trouble with something, my spiritual gift is teaching. I go in there and try to start simplifying things to where some, they can understand it. 
just like in California in that Brandon pin for Blake. I know we had lots of conversations about that, and I was just trying to simple things down. I don't know what your gift is, but I'm pretty sure you're right there to see in it. And your purpose is right there too. And your blessings are right there too. Once you find that purpose, all those doors open. All those doors in your life open. And it's crazy to see that. It's crazy to see that. And once you do that, you grow personally. Once you grow personally, all your relationships grow. And when all your relationships grow, it can make you more productive. Or you can put them in any order. It doesn't really even matter. But you're right there, just like Paul was, just like I was, just like that horse was. You have everything that you need, everything that you need. All your gifts, they're all in your ranch rig. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, we just thank you so much just for everything that you do for us. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on that cross for us because, Lord, him dying on that cross is what gave us our gifts. And also him dying on that cross is what gave us our purpose. And God, if there's anybody in here right now struggling to see what their purpose is, I ask that you just show them, show them, Lord. Give them that ambition to figure out what their gifts are. Show them Romans 12. Show them 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. Lead them into a big study about who you are and what those gifts mean, not only to them, but to everybody around them, and also, most importantly, what they mean to you. God, help us to go and love those other people that need loved, even the hard ones, Lord. Give us those opportunities to grow and just continue just to give us uh, those fruits of the Spirit, Lord, the peace, patience, love, self-control, kindness. Just enter our hearts like that, Lord, and, and, and guide us. Guide us, Lord. Show, to, show us those people who need our gifts and give us the courage to use those gifts once we find them. It's your name we ask these things and praise your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all.